You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. Okay, open the door. <laughs> Doors open for the afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the afternoon as we know it here at uh, fabulous 3RRR. Matt Steadman. Cameron Smith. I had a week off last week, but I'm back now. So yeah. thank you. Thanks to you and Kent. Rejuvenated. Look, I am. Have you been at the spa? Uh, no, I was, I was off in wine country last week. I was in Heathcote, which is an amazingly beautiful part of Victoria. So, to sucking back Shirazes? Yeah, a lot of Shiraz was sucked, if I'm uh, honest. Nice. Well, good weather for it. Oh, it's perfect. Where were you, anyway? Where did you stay? Uh, it's a place, there's a little winery there called Heathcote 2, and they have accommodation on site. It's good. But no, if you haven't been to Heathcote, it's only 90 minutes north of Melbourne. Better than Heathcote 1. Sound like I'm trying to sell it, don't I? Uh, <laughs> It was good. But it's good. And what we love about that is you go to a winery, Cam, and um, the people that you deal with <laughs> and you greet and who who show you their wines. Show you the wines. Um, they're the, usually the people who own and run the place. It's like a big touristy operation. It's just... And there's not far to go from the wine imbibing to the 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 nocturnal resting couch sort of place. <laughs> we, we also call that a bed sometimes. Yeah, well, yeah. Anyway, we get a bit anyway, how are you? I'm very well good. on this day. Um, I'm a good. little bit excited... When you just have so many good guests. We've got a green room full of guests. I say. Look at them. Good looking guests. Hey. Yeah. Martin's <laughs> waving. There we go. Um, and in fact, uh, let me just list them off for Please. you. Please. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, so we should thank the scientists. Yes. They're gone. Gee, they're quick today. They're efficient. They they're, are. They're very efficient. They're efficient. <laughs> <laughs> they've gone to maybe their, um, I don't know, the lab coats already at the dry cleaner. Yeah. So they've got to go and pick them up on mass. Um, <clears throat> Um, Ollie Hansford. Yes. Chef of uh, the, well, I was going to say perennial, but um, a, a place that's an institution. Yes. Uh, a place that has risen phoenix-like from the ashes. Literally in this case. Yeah, literally. There ain't no uh, doubt about that. I remember the day where you showed me the pictures of um, of that great fire. I'm talking about the Stoke House. Yes, I remember well that. I think it was a Saturday night and there was... Smoke and flames all over St Kilda Beach. It was pretty horrendous. It was foley work. Yes, thank you. Thank you. But now, yes. now uh, as you say, Risen, um, a completely new design. A while design. ago now. Yeah, it was, what, two years ago? Maybe. Yeah, yeah it's a while. Yeah. It's a while. Quite different. Quite Ollie different. Yeah. Uh, Ollie's got all the answers to that, but um, I want to speak to him about his... Uh, well, his life. He's uh, an English chef. Yes. Uh, came to Bris Vegas. Right. Worked uh, with the Van Handles mm. and then got promoted. Because there's a stokehouse up in Brisbane, isn't there, I think? I, yeah. There, there used to be, or I don't know. Is, yeah. was. I'm not yeah, sure. Right. We will find out. Yes. Stay tuned. Um, so, Ollie Hansford from Stokehouse is going to talk to us about that. Um, also, he's had a great focus on regional cuisine. Right. And uh, been doing some dinners. So, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, a bit of Julie Andrews. Mm. These are a few of my favourite things. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, and... Um, as you put so well, Matt, mm. um, Mamacita, a restaurant that redefined, and I hate using this word, and maybe mm. you could help me with a better one, ethnic cuisine. That's a terrible <sighs> word, isn't it? It is, is. I know what you're trying to get at. So Regional cuisine. That'll do. Or, What's that better? Or a certain, a cuisine of certain... Nationality? Style. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, okay. Because yeah, ethnic, so, I don't know, I think of embroidered skirts for some reason. <laughs> You know what I mean? But Mama said, for me, that was kind of the first of the new wave of Melbourne restaurants sort of 10 years ago where 
a bunch of, let's be honest, at the time, fairly young punks would take over a cuisine, in this case Mexican, and just yeah. do it really bloody well. We've got one of the young punks here too. And do it with some tood. Yeah, with some tood. Uh, uh, great style, great food, and also you know, redefined our, uh, our perceptions of it because there, there were a few places that were doing Mexican food proper like yes um there was some a lot that um <laughs> tex-mex <laughs> yeah. are you thinking chain store or are you, yeah are you thinking aisle seven in the supermarket no, with, the, with the yellow oh uh, uh, yes that's all right every now and then but mm. no no i'm thinking of you know the yeah Skip, skippy mix, yeah, skippy mix or yeah, tex mix. Anyway, is, which Mama was Cedar is not that was was not that, and it, and it made us rediscover the fact that that Mexican food could be utterly delicious mm-hmm. and didn't have to weigh us down like a ton of bricks after we'd finished eating. Yes. Anyway, Nick's here with his chef, the impressively named Martin Zozaya. Yes. Is that right, Martin? Yeah, <laughs> thumbs up. up. Yep. Um, and we're going to be talking about um, how he has. Uh, uh, come in. He's been there for about six months, and how that's changed. Also, mm-hmm. Mexican ingredients. Have you got any chipotle in your little tins of chipotle in you your know, tin actually, in your I, pantry? I'm going to disappoint you. Have you? I don't. Have you? I know a lot of people who do. Okay. <laughs> that's the first question I ask when I meet people. That was that was a nice letdown. Thank you. That was kind of kind. <laughs> what I would say is that we've moved on from, as you say, the uh, the yellow packets that yes. we might have in our pantry to mm-hmm. do a taco meal mm-hmm. and just. Open up the flavour sachet, and then just add it to your what meat. Is, what is in those things? I've never had the pleasure. Oh, I don't even six want two to. ones and uh, yeah, you a know lot, yeah, a lot of numbers and chemicals. Yeah. Anyway, um, but we, as a city, and mm. uh, more so as this state and nation than the nation as a whole, have embraced all sorts of different regional cuisines and yes. understand them. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, one of the things is uh, Mexican ingredients, where to get them. What are the best? Yes. That sort of stuff. And then the Bell of the North. Sam Gowing. Yes. The Bell. It's in B-E-L-L-E. Yeah. <laughs> and I've just got the, huh? I'm going to get in trouble for that. Um, Sam Gowing. Um, Gee, she's picked the wrong time of year to, to, to move, to come from Byron Bay to visit Melbourne. Yeah. This I, is just the worst four weeks to do that. She's got some, uh, a lot of, a couple woodland layers on. Good. And, uh, we will hear about that. Uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, a little bit of stuff about menus. And we're also going to be talking about it's winter time. Mm. And from a health point of view, from a nutritional point of view, mm-hmm. from just your general well being, what should you be doing? Mm-hmm. We're all asking that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 12.08 here, or oh, 12.09 is ticked over on 3 Triple RFM. A couple of things we need to uh, just mention. Yes. Friends of the show. Yes. From Melbourne Rooftop, Honey, uh, Matt and Vanessa. Um, they are pretty much organising part of this thing. They're part of this event. So if you're in any way uh, interested in beekeeping or if you have bees on your property at home... you got bees. you got bees. And you as we be know, there. we've said this before, without bees, Cam, agriculture basically stops. Well, yeah. So they're bloody important little things. They are, and I think we're, we are starting to understand that. Yes. And also, maybe just as a aside, if you have any nicotinoid-type insecticides, mm. dispose of them. Yes. Dispose of them because uh, they are not good to bees. No. And there's been a proven link on that. And if you want to learn a bit more about bees. Yeah, um, what do you do? Coming up, I think it's next weekend, the Victorian Beekeeping, Beekeeping Clubs Conference. Bee geeking. Bee, uh, we need a snappier title, don't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's we're working on, on that. 
It's uh, and it's happening. It's uh, in Essendon Fields. We uh, this we know. Costa's going to be there. Yeah, Costa's. I think is facilitating. There's a lot of good speakers. A good program. It's as you say next week at uh, Essendon Fields. Mm-hmm. Um, look, it's not cheap. It's one twenty five for the day. Yes, but you'll learn quite a lot, and you get a show bag apparently. Not with bees in it, but um, <laughs> if you're keen, just maybe Google. Yes. Roll. Uh, the uh, the Victorian Beekeepers Conference was it? That's the one. Victorian Beekeeping Clubs Conference. Clubs on, Conference. Put that in. Mm. All right. So um, we hope to see many many people go along there. And now a sad reflection. Yeah. Um, this time last year actually was the eighth. A dreadful thing happened. Um, yes. I remember hearing about it on a Saturday night, and it was one of those things where the technology that we hold so close to us, mm-hmm. a.k.a. the phone, the iPad. The social media. The social media. Um, the first um, inkling I got of was actually was from Kent, who was on mm. the show last week. Yes. looks after the doctors. Mm-hmm. Missed today. But um, he was, I think it was Anthony or my, Anthony Bourdain, oh, my God, say it's not true. Yeah. And I sort of looked at it and went, yeah, what? Because mm. it was kind of late on the Saturday. But then I realized that the horrible, horrible realization that we had lost someone who was so eloquent. Yes. And so unique and someone who so many of us, we would have just loved to have just hung out with yeah, that's true. and got a bit <laughs> drunk with, a little bit messy yeah. and talking a little bit, you know, in a conspiratorial voice in the corner of a restaurant because yeah. uh, one of the things I loved about him was he was an advocate for his industry so amazingly so and for gastronomy yep. but also the world at large. Yes, and, and bringing people together through their food. And, um, and also, as an American, mm. you know, American, even, you know, now we see it, you know, it's so isolationist and, and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Here was someone who was, his mission was to go out and discover the world, talk to people and find the thread that united us all. Mm-hmm. And this included going to Iran and talking to mothers who love their children. Mm-hmm. And sat at tables. And, you know, we talk about this so much on this show that the one of the great ways to break down these barriers that we have, racial, economic, religious, is to sit down and break bread with people. Mm. And there was no one else who broke bread better and was able to elucidate it. Yes, I agree. God bless you, Anthony. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I'm still really, really sad you've left us. Same. We should move on. We should, shouldn't we? We've got lots of guests. Yes. It's Eated here on 3 Triple RFM. It's about 12.13. Uh, we're going to play a little bit of music later, but we're going to start off with the uh, Grand Chef de Cuisine down there by the bay, Ollie Hansford at Stokehouse, after these very important messages. Indeed, they are 12.15 here. It's a winter's day. In uh, this glorious city in the south, you're listening to 3 RFM. I have a cross for me. Yes. And his name is Yes. <laughs> One syllable. Uh, Matt Steadman, my name is Cam Smith, 
and uh, introducing to the microphones for the first time on this station a very, very good afternoon and g'day to Ollie Hansford from the Stoke House. Cheers, thank you very much. How are you, buddy? I'm very well, thank you. Chef's day off? Uh, it is indeed, yes. Did it, uh, what did you do? You, you worked last night? I did, yep. Um, busy Saturday night as, as normal, which is good. And for those of us uh, that might have never been or experienced or understand the notion of the Stoke House, how would you describe this place? Um, it is an incredible beachside restaurant. Um, we focus in seafood mm-hmm. and it's very kind of relaxed. Um, I don't like the word fine dining. Um, we're just kind of like relaxed. Fine dining is a dirty word now, isn't it, it, is, it really? Yeah, yeah. It's like when you think of, you know, tablecloths and... All that sort of stuff. So, um, so it's relaxed. Uh, it's informal. It's um, reasonably exy. If you if you're going to go upstairs, there's the, the downstairs there. Um, but also a building with the most incredible history. It has, yeah. It um, really the uh, there was a, the wooden building that preceded it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I suppose you, yeah, you went around for, for that one. How, now, we were trying to work that out. How long ago did it? Um, so I think was it, the, it was the great about five fire? years ago. Five years? Yeah, five years Man. ago. Here's me saying two years. Yeah. <laughs> this is Life the, goes quick, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and But you've just been uh, with the group, with the Van Handles. Mm-hmm. For about six years now. About six years. Yeah, and, just over. And you started up in Bris Vegas, didn't you? I did indeed, yes. Yeah. And, um, and judging by that accent, uh, you're not from around here, are you? Um, yeah. where, where are you from? Uh, a little place called Leicestershire in uh, England. Yes. Yeah. What's Leicestershire like to grow up in? Uh, it's okay. It was a place you wanted to get away from, obviously. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> I will escape it. Um, so you obviously decided that um, cooking was your thing. Mm-hmm. How, did, how did that happen? Um, it's kind of by chance, really. So when yeah. I was younger, I the only thing that I really ate was uh, chicken nuggets and chips, and that was it. And on the chance, kind of the brown foods of the deep fried variety, exactly. Love yeah. those, yeah, okay, yeah. And then um, my dad was into food. He he owned um, his own pate business and also a sausage factory back in England. Yes, and we used to go to Borough Market in London quite a bit. Yes. And one day I just kind of thought, you know, I'll, I'll try different foods, and Burma Market is the place for for incredible food yeah. um, within the UK. So, and was there like this this revelation that it sounds it? cheesy, but yeah, yeah, go it on. Really what, was. What, what, what was it? Um, so I had some like some beautiful cheeses because I've got uh, Neil's Yard there, which is, has oh, incredible okay. cheese. Yes, yes. Um, and I just started having a few cheese, and I went to, and had some pate, had some uh, artisan bread, some charcuterie, and I was like, you know, what? this food is incredible. Yeah. And that kind of feeling that I had of, of when I when I tasted these ingredients for the first time, I decided, like I say, it does sound cheesy, but I decided there and then that I wanted to kind of recreate that feeling um, for for other people as well. It's powerful stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's, when you get these sort of epiphanies and revelations to, you know, cast aside the chicken nuggets. Yep. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that, you know, occasional food. Oh, yeah, you go back to it. Yeah, every now and then, just to, just to, to revisit... Wow. Um, and then you obviously decided at some stage to leave the shores of Blighty. Mm. And how did you find yourself here? Because it's this, Melbourne's about as far away as you can get from Western Europe, isn't it? It, it is. So um, going back probably seven years ago, yeah. uh, my girlfriend at the time, my now wife, oh, uh, okay. she came nice. over 
yeah. as a holiday with the sisters to Australia, really? uh, to Brisbane. I picked her up from the airport at Heathrow three weeks later, and she was like, right, we're moving to Australia. <laughs> really? So six months later, we were, we were in Brisbane, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so she was obviously pretty persuasive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you could say that. Well, I'll just put the foot down and say, this is what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, time in Brisbane, and then you worked uh, with the, you got a job with the, the Van Handles mm -hmm. uh, in the Stokehouse up there. Matt yeah. was asking a question, is that still open? It is, Stokehouse. Yeah, 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 yeah. In Brisbane, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's been there for uh, eight years now. Wow. Yeah, going, going strong. Is that by the river? It is, yeah. Beautiful spot, kind of overlooking yeah. the Brisbane River, the the, um, the city in the background. Okay. Yeah. And and then a momentous day happened that obviously you were called to the office or <laughs> how did it happen? Exactly like that, yeah. It was? Um, like yep. The general manager, Peter and, and Frank, they, they called me for a coffee upstairs. Ooh. And then that's when they kind of put this offer together to uh, to move to Melbourne. Really? Yeah. And it was, um, bringing my wife back into it, it was against her best wishes. She wanted to stay in sunny Queensland. Yeah, and you said, um, nah. So nah. I, I was like, nah, it's, it's happening. Yeah. There, was a, there was an ultimatum made where uh, to move to Melbourne, I had to buy her a, a, a dog. So <laughs> two months after that, we got a little French bulldog. You had to borrow a dog. Buy. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Sorry. Wow. This is subterfuge on a grand scale. So you got to. So you, the family is here now. Yes. Yep. That's that's it. Well, congratulations Thank on you. on doing that. And um, what are the the things that you love doing? This I know that there is very much a focus from outside the kitchen door with with you in the fact that you're very much into the regions around this state mm. and uh, the growing bounty that's sort of around us. Yeah, and that, uh, that stems from um, being back in England. Um, I worked at these different restaurants whereby you had the farmers in the local villages and the fishermen that have just kind of come off the day boats. They come to the back door and say, look, I've just caught this today or this is just fresh out of the ground. And I really love that kind of that place and provenance that the restaurant had mm. because you could only really get that produce from around um, that restaurant. Yes. And I just wanted to kind of bring that to um, Australia. So with the Stokehouse in general, like we wanted to – or I really wanted to kind of push the, the local provenance of food and really give praise to the, the small producers that kind of live, live day in, day out um, doing what they love and they don't really kind of get – Know, the they don't get right enough love, do they? they? Not at all. No. And, and it's the amazing thing because they're they're motivated and they get out of bed every day to mm. do whatever it is that they do, whether it is milk a goat or milk a cow to make amazing cheese, or go out into outside of say Lake's Entrance yep. into an easterly wind and go, oh god! <laughs> but to bring great food to our tables, absolutely, yeah. And so um, you've been sort of looking at all these different regions and you've been doing some, um, I think it's said you've been doing some dinners. That yeah, a series of dinners called uh, What Grows Together Goes Together. Yes. And it was with that kind of, that love and that passion in mind to, to bring these uh, different regions to the forefront mm. and the different small producers and, and kind of give them a, a platform to, to sing their produce. And I, I hate to ask this, it's sort of like asking about favourite children and sort of stuff like that, but um, are there any that you could sort of come to mind that you'd like to sort of highlight for being 
above and beyond in in taste and also the personality of the people because that's the sort of two things that go together, isn't it? It is. It really is, yeah. Um, well, I guess the, the most recent one, we've just been to the Maston Ranges and we went to uh, see quite a few producers and everybody that we've seen was so kind of... Uh, they just welcomed us with open arms and they really wanted to, to bring us into their world and show mm. us what they do on a day-to-day basis. And there was this one woman, this one lady called Sarah from Dreaming Goat Dairy. And which, took, which goat dairy? Dreaming Goat. Dreaming Goat. Yeah, and you did just mention that. evocatively named. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dreaming Goat. And she has Wake uh, up. Ten, yes. 10 goats that she milks every single day. Ten? That's it, just ten. That's nothing. I know. And she uh, she milks every day. She makes cheese every other day. And every weekend, she sells out at the farmer's markets. Well, yeah, I guess she would. I mean, ten. That's it. That's not many. I mean, I thought Holy Goat were pretty amazing because I think they've got about a 150 or something like that. Yeah. Because that's the number that they can keep so that they know each personality. But yep. ten, you really are on first-name basis with them. A- absolutely. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah, wow. And they're the, they're the sort of people that um, – we went there and we, we had a uh, selection of her cheeses and the milk itself. And it, we were just kind of blown away by her passion and, and the fact that every morning she gets up at, at four in the morning, she yeah. milks them. Twice. Twice, yep. Twice. And also at night. And, yeah, it's just that whole passion, that ethos. Yes. We just wanted to showcase. Wow, that's good. So um, are there any more coming up? There is. Uh, we've got the Great North um, East this month. We've also got the Grampians in August. East. Yeah. So it's above Gippsland sort of thing? Yeah, so it's bright. Um, <gasps> bright. Oh, my God. It'll be beautiful around there at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's, there's plenty of um, plenty of people that we're, we're kind of locking into to view. Okay. Um, people that listen to the show uh, often would know that I have this obsession with mushrooms. Um, are you still getting mushrooms? The- we are. So for the mass, then we, we, had, um, we went out and foraged some um, slippery jacks and also some pine mushrooms. Pine mushrooms. Yeah. They're the only ones I pick because they're the only ones I know I'm not going to die. <laughs> Uh, unless I've got uh, someone else uh, that is around. Um, so it's been a great – oh, God, I'm using that word. It's been a great time living here. Mm, uh, and you've you've learned a lot and learned a lot about this, this area, and it must be kind of different to Queensland. Very different, yeah. Um, not only the people, but the produce yes. um, and the weather that you actually that depicts what produce you get as well, mm. um, and the different yeah, it's just it's absolutely incredible to actually go out and, and see these different regions, and they all all vary so much as well. All right, and in thirty seconds or a minute, if I can take it, Matt's nodding his head because he's magnanimous to me. Thank you very much. One of the things uh, I read is that uh, as well as, you know, working really, really hard as a chef because crushing hours and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. where, do you like to, uh, where do you like to eat out when you're not at the Stoke House? And also, I don't know, what's sort of the favourite snack when you get home? Um, so we live literally just around the corner from a little place called Boozy in Armadale. Yes. And it's uh, a little wine bar that's open till uh, 1 a.m. pretty much every night. Mm. So whenever I finish work and kind of ask – Need a, need a wine or whatever. Yeah. Uh, me and the wife just go around there, have a few wines, have a beautiful little cheese platter. Yes. And that's, that's kind of like our naughty indulgence. Open till one? It is, yeah. Whereabouts in Armadale? Um, it's just kind of near the arcade um, on High Street. High Street, yeah, yeah. okay. High Street and Turret. Well, congratulations on all you're doing in this incredible institution that you found yourself in. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, when was that? the next dinner on again? Uh, I believe the 18th. 
Yeah, great. 18th of this month. And uh, don't forget, there's still downstairs. There is, pontoon. Yeah, Tim, yeah. Tim Thorpe was talking about maybe having a party there. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. 12.27 here on 3 Triple RFM. Ollie, thank you again for coming in. Thank you very much. We're going to be uh, talking about, um, well, pretty much a landmark Mexican restaurant. Yeah, let's call it that. Let's go with that. Uh, before we do, though, unfortunately this week, we're a bit, bit gloomy today, aren't we? But um, saw the passing of another musical legend. Oh, yes. So we thought, uh, in honour of Dr. John, we'll spin out one of his tunes right now. Get a bit jungly. Yeah. Uh, jungly with Dr. John. Thanks again, Ollie, for coming in. You're listening to 3 Triple RFM. What's that sound in the jungle? <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Crown lagers indeed. Yeah. God, I haven't had a crown lager for a long time, and that's a good thing. <laughs> I was about to say, probably is. Yeah, believe me. Um, Nick Peters and Martin Zazoya from the fantastic Mama Cedar. Very, very good afternoon and welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I'm just so impressed. Maddie, how awesome is this? We've got show and tell here. There's a lot of chilies on the... You can't see it, listener, but mm. we'll stick a photo on the socials and you can see it that way. We might have to yeah, do that as, uh, as soon as we can. Um, first of all, um, uh, Nick, congratulations yes. on the long run, the endurance. Thank you. Myself? Oh, Mama Cedar, yeah. No, Mama you're Cedar. looking good too for, for, the, for the years, but <laughs> I was thinking more about the institution that you built around yourself. Thanks so much. Um, in the top end of Collins Street. A very, very important restaurant for Melbourne, I think, Mama Cedar, in, as, as we look back. I think the timing, uh, I think it was one of those sort of perfect storms of good timing and a good idea, and it just sort of came about. And shit-hot location, let's face it. Yeah, well, my business partner, Matty, who's sort of the brains behind the operation, he was in there consulting yes. on a place and wasn't necessarily happening, and he had this great idea of a Mexican place because he'd been running a few things in New York. And he came back and sort of said, we should put this thing here, planted the flag, and from then it just kind of went off. And so kudos to Maddie Lane. And went off it did, because when we sort of think about uh, Mexican food, and we're going to look at uh, the things that make it up, and that's where Martin can help us in, in a little bit. He but has that stuff on him all the time, by the way. That's not special. He just has that in his jacket. <laughs> I just, just has this. Just, it's just on him. Ancho chili with, uh, with a label on it. Just He's like the case. guy at the train station with the watches under his yeah. coat, you know. You want to buy chili? Yeah. Yeah, what do you want? Want to buy a hot chili? Um... <laughs> Better than selling a hot watch. Um, but uh, the, the, the very, very fact that um, this place opened, uh, we had a lot of, let's face it, mongrel Mexican food or maligned Mexican food. I don't know. It's just crappy Mexican food. Um, there was a few proponents doing it very, very well. One that you told me about, which was uh, had a name which had a bit of some focus from some people that you probably don't want. Well, I don't want to get a brick throw through it, thrown through no, the, tri the three triple R window yeah, relating to certain names of things that might run with Anditos. Andito, so yeah, I don't want nice. to go there. Yeah, let's not go there. Yeah. Um, My but poor the, wife was, a, was in high school when she was at that place. Uh, what sort of just general location was that? Uh, somewhere between Blackburn and Blackburn South. Okay. Which is kind of still just Blackburn. That's still the okay. Yeah. We've, got, we've got a postcode there. <laughs> uh, the, the fact is there were just a few places. I remember Mexicali Rose in Richmond was doing sort of 
authentic style. There was that there food. was for, 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 I can't it's it's um there was one on Johnson Street as well that the names mm. just escaped me for a minute and he was there for a long long time and, and he was doing and really Blue good food. Corn around the corner and Barclay Street in St Kilda was doing some. I remember going to Blue Corn and that was cool. That was more on the Mex, on the Tex Mex tip rather than the traditional thing. But I remember being there and it was like wow, there's yeah. all the tortillas aren't crunchy and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And the, and there were all those so the the um, fluorescent chili sauces. That's El, right. El Yucatan is it? Yeah, El Yucateco. Yucateco. Yeah, that's it. Uh, which, but anyway, we've we've come a long way, and and you've managed to first of all, well, educate a lot of Melburnians, I would say, and pave the market for people like we were just talking about Gerardo Lopez, who makes the best tortillas in Melbourne. Uh, well, well, you can say that. We're, we're not going to say that. No, um, well, we're not going to say that he's not. Um, all right. Well, we, we don't judge, and we we don't have any unless. Anyone wants to sponsor us? No, no, it's all good. They're great, but um, <laughs> yeah, but there are many, there are many people doing fantastic things in the Mexican space now, and they are one of those groups for sure. Okay, let me let me modify that then. Um, is the fact that we now to be able to have the ability to wander into many shops around this town and to be able to get a or a packet of it's awesome fresh tortillas, which is the backbone for a lot of mexican cooking would you say that martin is that a correct statement or it is definitely one of the most important ingredients in mexican cuisine mm. um is basically the bread from yeah. that country and that culture and um and we were talking before with nick it's like well, they were importing their own tortillas when they when they started mamacita so that's how hard it was yeah, on that right. time we opened it for the mexican. first three sorry you go you go that that was but that's how it was uh, to do Mexican cuisine in Melbourne in those days. And now we have, like, every product you can get it, I don't know, uh, in a bike ride. You know, it's so easy to <laughs> get Mexican stuff now, and people have a lot of more knowledge about Mexican cuisine. I think for me it's sort of – it's and this sort of – have you posted that picture yet, Matt? By yeah, it's chat? on the Twitter at least. So it's on out, the Twits. Yeah, okay. check out I'm Twits. A, I'm going to whack it on Instagram too at some stage. But just this understanding of chilies because we've got a whole bunch of chilies. And for most of us when we were growing up here in this, this city, our understanding of chilies was just about heat, just one thing. It was a one-dimensional thing. It was just a punch in the face of capsicin, yeah? Yeah. And exactly. yet, with what you have here, there is a whole kaleidoscope of flavors and warmths, and that's one of the things that we've learned about, yeah? Yeah, it does. Um, I thought today uh, to bring all this bunch of chilies. Is, these are the chilies that we're currently using in the menu, so you can see that we have a lot of different varieties that give us the spiciness, different uh, you know, uh, hits and um, yeah. Because we start off, we've got we've got habaneros there, which everybody knows is you know Scovilles. Yeah. yeah, about twenty two hundred fifty thousand Scovilles, and then down to jalapeno, which is sort of doable. I think that's sort of my my level. I'll go up to habanero, but then there's all these beautiful dried, smoky kind of chilies. Yeah, and they have uh, like plenty of uses. It's not just to, as you say, just to get your mouth. Sleepy. Mm. It's more like we use them to comfort. We use them to make oils. We use them to make marinades. Um, there's a, a lot of bunch of things that you can do with different chilies because they have such different characteristics between mm. them. So, yeah, that's that's Mexican flag. Like if we if we move out of Mexico, we always have to carry chilies to make Mexican cuisine, which is 
And Martin, I'm detecting a really lovely exotic accent there. Where, where are you from? Uh, naturally born in Argentina. Yes. Uh, but I moved to Mexico when I was nine years old. And yes. And lived there for 20 years almost. And then traveled a little Whereabouts? bit. Whereabouts? In Mexico City. Whoa, yeah. that's a big town. It is. That's like it the population is. of Australia in a city, isn't it? It is crazy. Yeah, Pretty much. It's like a weekday was like half an hour in the car and uh, in the weekends were like three hours. So yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So, and uh, when did you come here? Uh, five years ago now. Yes. Yeah. And how did you guys meet up? Because um, you've been there for, what, about six months? A bit more. Yeah. Nine, we'll say. How did, how did, could be how six, could be nine. It feels like, it feels really long some days and really short some other days. <laughs> yeah. You know what it's like. And how did this beautiful friendship start? Uh, we, well, Martin had a place. Um, Martin had his own restaurant and Mexican grocer in Richmond. Yep, correct. Um, and then we kind of just sort of... Matt and I used to pop in there now and then because he was bringing in some things that were cool and we yeah. just sort of got talking and then he decided to wrap that up and um, the opportunity arose for us to bring in a Mamacita's first ever Mexican head chef, which was nice after eight and a half years. Yes. And so we thought, well, hey, good move. Let's do it. Mm. And that's sort of where it happened. Wow. And, yeah. uh, and so um, in the way that you look, uh, what do you see that Martin's brought to the business? Um, I'm, I'm allowing you to say really flattering things about your head chef now. Come on, Nick. Yeah, go on, Nick. Uh, <coughs> the, it's, it, the, the previous chefs that we've had have all been fantastic, and they've all, been, they've all brought many different things to the restaurant, to the yes. culture, the food, the atmosphere, everything. Mm. What Martin brings is the background knowledge. You know, we don't have to send Martin to Mexico for two or three weeks to wrap his head around Mexican cuisine because he's actually been there before, which yeah. is kind of nice, so, you know. Dude, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, like he looks yep. the he, he looks the part and he is the part, which is awesome. Um, mm. It's also with the direction that we've wanted to take the restaurant the last year um, in terms of following the trends of Mexico City that we want to become that we want to move us into pan Latin ter- territory. Mm-hmm. That's Martin's stick. You know, he's cooked Peruvian, he's done lots of Spanish, he's cooked Colombian, Argent- he's got an Argentinian background, he grew up in Mexico, so that kind of encompasses what we the direction that we want to take. Well, that we're taking Mama Sue at the moment, which is great. How do you go? Does that sound good? It sounds great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like what you were it. saying. Uh, we feel like Mama Sita is an institute, and we, we we feel like we have the responsibility to move on and to show people more modern and and, far. and we have the opportunity to show the, all these new techniques from Latin America as well. And so why not? We're always going to use Mexican ingredients, but there's a lot of techniques run on Latin American that they're just brothers. Yeah. Hey, we, um, we've got a little bit of time before we bring in Sam Gowing, who's waiting out there in the green room, but I thought maybe you've, you've done such a great job in doing this show and tell and maybe some ingredients that maybe people haven't heard of and uh, where we can get them and why we would want to use them. You go, puppy. Well, <laughs> as I say, like, I think... This, um, the chilies are the flag from Mexican cuisine, so having different kind of chilies will give you a lot of opportunities to cook different things, mm. which is a base. Um, yes. Nowadays, we, we can get all those from um, places like Casiberica, U.S. Food, Aztec, Poblano. Even in Coles, you can find now habaneros and poblano chilies. Yeah, habaneros and, yeah. and jalapenos yeah. almost all the year round. Is the, the the dry ones that are a little bit more tricky, but you're mm. always going to have these suppliers around. Um, 
And then we brought as well tomatillos, which is um, just um, a small green tomato, a bit acid flavor, which we're getting from Belen Belen Farm. They're growing it for What's us. the season for those, just quickly? And, oh. and we've only got about a, just about a minute left because otherwise Matt's going to, his head's going to explode. It's mainly this season now. It's about to finish in a month and a half or something like that. So we're mm. going to have to change a few dishes from the, from the menu. Um, and then moving on, we brought a shiote, which is the, the, the paste that we use made of notices to marinate mainly fish at the restaurant at the moment, but in Mexico it's used for another, a lot of purposes. This is the anato? Yeah. Yeah. And those, those Mexican glosses we have, and it's very, very tasty and, and gives it a yeah. fabulous, fabulous color. <clears throat> and then something very cool that we brought as well, it's called wheat la coche, which is that mushroom that grows in the cornhouse. Can you say that probably because I've been looking at this label of this tin that I've had for ages and I still haven't worked out how to pronounce it properly. I reckon I've wheat heard la about different, wheat different, la different things. Wheat la coche. I've heard it hoity toity. Yeah, hoity toity. la toichi. Yes. Wheat la coche. So yeah, we made it goji, and it's sort of like corn meats, truffles, and stuff like it that. It is. It's considered the Mexican truffle, yeah. And I would say that it should be just about for every person around here a little tin of chipotle peppers, which is the jalapeno that has been smoked, and it lends itself to such amazing things, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Mm. And it's very popular. It's one of the things that you couldn't get anywhere, and now it's everywhere. Well, um, we have to move on because Sam Gowing is coming in, but thank you very, very much, both of you, for coming in. Salute. Uh, we've got these incredible tequila glasses with a little cross on the bottom, which I think is just great. We have to bring these over ourselves. So we're, they're, they're, we, we can get most things nowadays, but a few things we're still behind on, so yeah. we'll bring these in. But anyway, cheers. Thanks so much for having How us. How do we say cheers in Mexico? Salud. 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 Okay, Sam Gowing coming up next, 12.46 here on 3 Triple R FM. Thanks again, guys. Thanks, Thank you. Boom. <laughs> 12.47 here. I'm looking across at Sam Gowing. Hi. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> Hi, friends. Lovely to be back here. Um, what are you doing here? Oh, I came down to deliver a workshop called How to Teach a Cooking Class. So I've been teaching people to do what I do. Really? Yeah. How do you teach a cooking class? Well, you know, the formats, the legalities. Trying to cut your fingers yeah, is always a good thing. Yeah, don't your finger off. Yeah. Don't trip your students up as they walk in the door. Yes, stay, you know? stay away from the hot oil. to teach and how to find the right establishment and how to build that confidence if you want to go from, you know, home cook to the um, cooking pro. Who's your audience? Oh, it's quite broad. There are usually a lot of people who've either been customers in mm. the past uh, with Food Health Wealth or even from the Grace Darling or they're What's my, the Grace Darling? my old pub, yeah. not the Grace Darling. Not the Grace Darling. The Grace Darling. <laughs> Grace Darling um, or Darling Grace. Or they've been, I don't know, on that journey through Le Cordon Bleu that I've been through mm. and they want to start teaching their body of knowledge and so forth. So we had a great event uh, last Thursday night. That's why I'm in Melbourne. Where? That was actually upstairs at the Vincent. It's a little boardroom up there, the old Red Eagle in Albert Park. Oh, I know, I know. Everybody the has Vincent. scoffed like that. <laughs> the Vincent and yeah. then you go to Red Eagle. Um, the yeah. Red Eagle was probably very, very important to a lot of Melburnians for the fact that it was it was one of the first sort of boutique pubs, wasn't it? It was indeed. It was. 
It really was. It was and good. it was the hang, you know. It was such a great place and great live music. Yeah. And I think it was open a little later and it was kind of, like, you know, the place to be. It's a little bit loose. In the 80s. A, little a little bit, bit loose, loose at times. Yeah, I think I might have seen you there, Cameron. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I had. Maybe right with along. The, with the boys. Um, <clears throat> yes. Um, are you doing any more of these while you're here? Or? Not this trip. I'm going home tomorrow. Yes. Yeah, back to... And tell us a little bit about... So, for those that haven't met Sam before, Sam's been on the show many, many times. Mm, Great friend of the the show for both of us. Yes. Um, What do you do up there? Up there. So, I live in Byron Bay. I live in Collingwood 11 years ago. I do. I get to live in from Byron Collingwood Bay. To from Byron Collingwood Bay. to Byron Bay. How's that for a journey? Oh, it was great. It was good. Yeah. You, well, you get to take the shoes off anyway, which was good. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I still bake for the pies. Yeah, go, so, go you know, pies. Go pies. Yep. Um, I run Byron Bay Cooking School when I'm at home up there. So we mm. do a lot of corporate events, team building activities where people come and stay in the various resorts up there mm. and they might want to do either a hands-on cooking class or a MasterChef style team building event where they have a little competition amongst their colleagues. So I've been running those, gee, also in Melbourne for over 20 years now. Mm. And that happens in Byron. And then when I'm not in Byron, I write um, recipes and menus and spa systems for luxury hotels and resorts around the world. And it should also be known that... To do that for 12 executive chefs from Club Med. Melbourne just got very jealous of you all of a sudden. Uh, Also should be known that you have, it's the degree in nutrition. I have an undergraduate in nutrition, but I have a master's from Le Cordon Bleu in gastronomic tourism. So walks the walk and talks the talk. Gee, that sounds good. So Bali. Bali, hey? Sorry, Melbourne. I haven't been to Bali in a long time. Nor have I. What's a... Okay, well, you have to tell us. Yeah. Well, there's a club med there, and they approached me a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, chef, could you please come and teach our executive chefs because we need to have a wellness offering on our venue, on our buffet. Teach the executive chefs. Yes, from all over Asia Pacific are coming to Bali Club Med Bloody for hell. those couple of weeks that we're Congratulations, training. Congratulations, Sam. That's oh, amazing. thanks, darling. Well, yeah. That, thanks, Cam. I mean, you know. It hasn't happened yet, but, you know. But it, it just kind of shows the esteem that uh, the – to the industry and the people in that area have for you that well it didn't happen overnight to be you know that never 20, does 20 year overnight success no it never does <laughs> but uh, it's about being true to your passion and mm. you know true to your niche within the food or in my case food and wellness industry and what are you going to tell them what are you going to tell these executive chefs and i don't know why but i'm sort of seeing all these so swiss guys with top hat with the chef's <laughs> yeah. hats um Really about how to bring sustainable medicinal foods onto their menu. Yes. And, you know, whether we need to do the ubiquitous chia pudding on the breakfast buffet, which is absolutely fine. Yeah. But where will they source that chia, just as an example, yeah. because, of course, that all usually comes in from, in from one head buyer mm. as part of a huge conglomerate like that. So systems, um, systems and safety around that food, nutrition notes, and also validating health claims and nutrition claims on menus like that, which we were talking about often. But that sort of goes two ways, though, doesn't it, Sam? Because, you know, there's real overt ways where you go, you know, the cheer. We have cheer and you will yeah. feel great and these uh, chlorophyll drinks and yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. But then there's sort of the more, not insidious, but the just more underlying sort of things that I would imagine you're trying to instill in these, in these chefs too about sustainability, yeah. nutrition. As well, yeah. But also what are branded as superfoods 
are really kind of just fly mm. by night in yeah. that if we come back to the basics, brown rice, white rice is congee, which is a perfect kind of healing food for this time of year, particularly mm. in your Melbourne winter, nurturing the kidney energy and so forth. So advising them about everyday foods that they've probably already got on their menu, mm. even barley or certain grains and cereals that we can then work properly so it's cost effective for them as an enterprise but it also showcases food as medicine. So it's not always about importing that chlorophyll and all of those kind of ingredients or getting them to have celery juice as a the, diuretic the trendy, in the middle of Melbourne winter. Yeah, 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 crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's giving them the truth and the facts and the combination of certain foods together. The food synergy is greater than that individual ingredient. Whoa. Yeah. And so um, you've spent a whole lifetime getting to grips with that. And you're trying to instill that in, hmm, how do we put this, maybe some sort of rigid kind of brains? Yeah, and that, that's been a real journey for you know mm. 20 years now is trying to break through some of those barriers. Yes. But it's such a marketing hotspot now to be able to sell that to menus. But more important, importantly, the consumer demand for healthy eating, particularly on buffets and so forth, in resort and spa is mandatory now. They're just so hungry for it and they deserve it and they pay top dollar. Yes. You know, long gone is just the, the wheat offering for breakfast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you were mentioning um, one thing that uh, to think of in wintertime, beautiful and easy to digest congee. Yeah, really important. Why is that good? Lots of ginger because the more pressure you can take from your digestion, the more your digestion will slowly absorb something that's soft and slow-cooked. This is why soups are good in wintertime because it's pre-digested food. Yeah, well, hopefully no one else has chewed it for you. But, but, you know, it's warming and it's soft and it doesn't require a lot of hydrochloric acid and other enzymes in the digestion. Your body can continue to heal and your immune system can continue to elevate Mm. if you kind of take the pressure off and you're not just having raw, cold and crunchy. How do you make congee? Oh, gee, I um, have been lucky enough to have Sarah Swan from 100 Mile Table in Byron Bay. She um, posted her uh, recipe on a friend's blog, and it's mm. really simple. I did it in the last cooking class in Melbourne here, and it's simply just cook off the rice, lots of stock, lots of spices, whatever flavours you want. And I think we just shredded some chicken through the one that we did Bit of fried onion bit on of, top. Bit of spring onion bit on top. Bit of spring onion, fried yeah, onion. Of lots and lots of ginger. And so the cold ginger, uh, sorry, the fresh ginger peripheral circulation, dried ginger or ground ginger, internal digestive circulation. The thing that amazes really me important. about making congee, Sam, is the fact that you have like about, I don't know, a quarter cup of rice to two litres of water and... It's sort of like if if I can give you the analogy, if you haven't done it at home, it's like cooking a risotto, then keep going. Yeah, just keep yeah, going, yeah. keep stirring. Yeah, um, Matt, you ever made a congee at home? Yeah, actually, have. I've done risottos many times, but never done a congee. Congee is great, and for me, I think the great thing about congee is having those those little yummy things that you sprinkle on top, which is the thing that can make it or break it. Yeah, mm. and it's cheap. Mm. It is fabulously nutritional, as you say so well, Sam, that in this time of year where we need all the help we can get with digestion and warmth, getting warmth into us. And many people have a rice cooker in Melbourne, so you can simply cook off the rice and have it for breakfast, please. Avoid the wheaties, get on the congee. Mm. 
Mm. Good for winter. So what are you saying? You say cook the rice in the rice cooker and then add it to the stock and then cook it? Well, you can certainly do that if you want to do a quick hybrid version in the morning. Yeah. You know, so you've got something or you want to take that to work Mm. and uh, and reheat it at work. But just to be able to, as I say, get all that, that beautiful kind of chicken soupiness or vegan if that's your thing. You could do, and what would you do, sort of maybe mushroom stocks? Absolutely, or a dashi stock. There's a vegetarian dashi stock, Japanese oh, yeah, stock. Okay. You can kind of switch it up. Yes. A bit of East Meats East, but you know. East Meats East. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was, it, tell me, um, nutritionally, mm. um, you know when you, you get a dried shiitake mm. and you take that water off, mm. uh, the, the, yes, yes. the essence the soaking, of it? Yes. Yeah, that is an incredible, it's full of glutamates and umami, so as a thing for flavour, it bang, whips as, things up. Is that good for you? As long as the shiitake hasn't been sprayed, a lot of that, and that's um, relatively oh, low no. intervention because you'd be really careful with some of those huge dried mushrooms coming from Asia. Right. The sprays Go and on. so forth and preservatives and the dehydrating process can be quite um, hectic. What should we be looking for when we buy a dried oh, mushroom? I'd buy, if you can get local Australian dried mushrooms or perhaps just see if you can trace the provenance of some of those Japanese shiitake. Yeah, okay. And look at the, obviously read the back of the packet. Careful, careful. Uh, one thing I have noticed getting onto mushrooms is that uh, king mushrooms are available now in Australia. Mm-hmm. Because they were all coming from Taiwan or Taiwan, Korea, yeah, okay. Which was kind of crazy. Um, we've got a little bit of time left. What's your big tip for people to look after themselves during winter? Look, I know it sounds a bit corny, but tuck your shirt in. You know, your mother used to say, "Tuck your shirt in, you'll catch your tuck death." Your shirt in. You know, it's it's kidney time in right. to Chinese medicine. You've really got to keep your low back warm. Yes. So whether you heat up a heat pack or whatever, but just have those nurturing foods and particularly stay warm around the base of your st- of your spine. Of all the things I thought you were going to say, know, I hey? never would have tuck your shirt in. Tuck your shirt in. in. See, I'm getting older, Cam. No, no, that's good. No, but it's, it's it's sensible because. Um, if we look at Chinese medicine as, you know, heat, cold, damp, yep. uh, hot, yep. it is all about that. That's sort of the thing that you sort of follow in a way, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. certainly subscribe and practice elements of Chinese medicine. If people want to come up into Byron Bay and hang out... Good luck to them. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's, uh, Foodhealthwealth.com. Foodhealthwealth.com or search for byronbaycookingschool.com.au. Yes. Or, of course, we come to you as well. So come and see us if you need a winter escape from Melbourne. Yeah. God, it sounds sounds like a great idea. Um, And I would have to say very, very good luck and have great time in Bali. Thank you. uh, Talking to all those chefs. They're not all going to be Germans and Swiss because those days are long gone. No, I think they'll meet Mauritius Mauritian and uh, from all parts of Asia. You'll um, rock on with them. them. I'll send you a photo. Oh, that sounds great. Send you a postcard. We'll talk about it next time I see you. And in the meantime, tuck your shirt in. (laughs) I love it. Um, Sam, it's been an absolute delight to see you. you. Oh, God, I'm over time. Sorry, Neil. Off you go. Um, No, Neil's not here, but still he's up next. Neil is up next. Matt, thank you. We'll see you next week. Indeed. Sounds like a plan. Still here on Next on 3 Triple R. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.